Well, good morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Go ahead and open your Bibles. We'll start in Exodus chapter 3 this morning. Exodus chapter 3. And uh, we have uh, Emily Spores. Emily, are you in the room? Where are you? There you go. See Emily back there. Emily signed up to do a discipleship training six-month segment with YWAM. And she's going to be in the lobby if you'd like to go by and give her a hug, ask her questions, and pray for her. Also, in our prayer meeting Tuesday night, we're going to come back and pray again for Afghanistan uh, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock in this room. Lord, uh, open the scriptures to us. Show us who you are. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We're studying what is God like. Hold your Bibles up so I can see you got them. Let's see them. Awesome. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to repeat what Anthony's already said. This is one of the most exciting weeks we've had in a long time. A lot of stuff is kicking off. If you'd like to grow in prayer, you want to make some friends, we meet in this room Wednesday night at 6.30. It's going to be incredible. Also, we start Evangelism Explosion, which is a 12-week training for how to effectively share your faith, lead people to Christ. We've got a big class. We meet over in that section on the other side of the walls. Just a heads up. And uh, we're called to be a house of prayer. We want this city to be a city of prayer. And... Uh, I believe we're going to find 30 churches that's going to take one day a month to pray 24 hours. So we start ours. We will be the first. This Friday at noon, you can sign up right down here on either side and just come. You can come during the day, come during the night, and we're going to pray and seek God's presence because when we pray, when we worship, His presence comes. Now, this topic we're studying today is very important. Pay attention. Take note. Because there's a lot of stuff going around about what God is like. Everybody's got an opinion of what God is like. God is nothing like what our culture says he is like. And let's let the scriptures speak for themselves. Okay. So let's start at verse number 13 of chapter 3 of Exodus. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they're going to ask me a question. What's your name? And what am I going to say? And God, the creator, told Moses, I am, everyone say, I am. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the I am has sent you. This is the very first place in all of history where God gave his personal name. Previously, it was titles. Now he gives his personal name, and the name is I am. And you say, Steve, do you understand this? Absolutely not. Or I understand just enough to change my life. 
We could spend a year on this and we still wouldn't understand it all. The I am is who I am. Now, if you've looked at some of the statements that Jesus made in the gospels about who he was, well, I am the great, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. All those are I am statements. And in an argument or dispute with the Pharisees one day, they said, well, we're children of Abraham. And Jesus said, let me say this. Before Abraham, I am. And they knew exactly what, it, what he meant, and it infuriated them. They wanted to kill him on the spot. So the name we just read is sacred. It is mysterious. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible. You never will, and I, I don't. I just learn more every day. It's deep, it's wide, it's complex, it's beautiful. The name is powerful, but it is an expression of his presence. And that name encompasses a lot. It encompasses everything. It encompasses who he is, and it encompasses how he relates to us, which is pretty phenomenal. Now, in theological terms, you may have never heard this term, and I don't even know if I completely understand the term itself. There's the name written in Hebrew. It is called the Tetragrammaton. Say it, please, the Tetragrammaton. It means a lot, especially to, to Jews. It's the name Yahweh or Yahweh. And it can also be translated the one who is. He is and he will always be. That is the name. And that sacred name says a lot when he says, well, who do I tell them you are when they ask? Cause they're going to ask. I am. Well, wh what does that mean? It means I am all powerful. It means I am all knowing. I know everything. It means I am in control. Don't ever forget that. You can go to sleep tonight in peace because he is in control. The I am has you and I am self-sufficient. I used to think he needed people like you and me. I don't know that he needs us. I think we have the opportunity to be invited to be his partners, but I don't know that he needs me. He gives me the opportunity to walk beside him and partner with him. And the I am is the ever-present one who is everywhere all the time. Uh, Satan is a created being. He can only be one place at one time. Uh, the creator is everywhere all the time. And not only that, he's with you right now. And he'll be with you this week. The, the trick is to learn to acknowledge his presence and recognize when he shows up. Now, I, I have some thoughts today. And one thought is Moses had the greatest character quality 
any mortal could ever have. What would you think that is? And I think we see it right here in this passage. What, what would you guess? He has a hunger for God. This is a church full of people that have a hunger for God. Do you have a hunger for God? And is it growing? Or have you thrown water on it? It's not what it once was. Now turn over to Exodus chapter 33. And let's read some more. Exodus 33, starting at verse number 14. You ought to mark some of this in your Bible. And the Lord said to Moses, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Everyone say rest. Then he said to him, well, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us from this place. For how then, verse 16, can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other nations upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing for which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight. And I have known you by name. In verse 18, Moses asked a really gutsy thing. Look at verse 18. I pray. Show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Verse 20, but he said, you, sir, cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place here beside me. You will stand on that rock and I will come, it will, it will come about that while my glory is passing by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. Remember that old hymn? Until I pass by and I will take my hand away so you will see my back, but my face you shall not see. Now Moses wanted to know God based on what we have just read. He wanted to experience the Lord. It's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to know him and experiencing him and to enjoy him. A lot of Christians never learn to enjoy him. They never learn to meet him. And the Lord told Moses, my presence will go with you. Look at this painting. And I'm going to give you rest. Why did he need rest? Just read the three chapters ahead. I mean, behind. It was a hard deal. Moses was tired, depleted, worn out. And maybe that's where you are today. There's a greater rest than just taking a nap. 
So 76 times in the Old Testament, the word, the presence, is used. And Moses said, well, if you're not going to go, I don't want to go either. Now that's a good pres uh, principle to live by. And I have to ask myself a lot, Lord, are you in this? Because if you're not in it, I don't need work just to work. I don't need to do stuff. I got enough stuff to do. But if you're in it, I want to go. If you're not in it, I don't want to be involved. It's a good principle. And it leads me to believe that the one thing Moses wanted to, to know is, are you with me, Lord? Am I with you, Lord? And since my early days as a believer, I've felt this. If I knew I was where God wanted me and I was doing what God wanted me to do, nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. Didn't matter how rough it was. I was where God wanted me to be. And Moses made a pretty astute observation. He said, well, how can we be told from any other nation on the face of the earth? And God answered him, it's by the presence. And I want to say this, and I want to say this over and over and over until it gets in all of our heads. We are a presence-based church. Would you say that, please? We are a presence-based church. It doesn't mean we don't love seekers. We love seekers. It doesn't mean we don't love evangelism. We love evangelism. It doesn't mean we don't love great Bible teaching. We love Bible teaching. It doesn't mean we don't love missions. We are committed to world missions. But first things first is him. He is the guest and he is also the host. And it's our desire to see lives transformed not by preaching or evangelism or missions or programs, but by God's presence doing in a flesh what a human or mortal could never do. So are you with me so far? Are you following me? Now Moses proclaimed, well, Lord, let me see your glory. Let me see you in your entirety. Let me see more than I've ever seen. Let me see you. Let me see your heart, your mind. Let me see your face. And the father said, well, to be honest with you, nobody can see my face and live. And I don't understand how all this works. I have a theory that what this is about is no mortal can look upon the face of God and survive. His body, mind, emotions cannot take it. So therefore, I'm going to pick you up like a doll and put you in a crevice and even take my hand as I walk by and I'm going to shield you from seeing my face directly. Now, the time will come. Now, two days ago, one of our brothers in Christ, Bob Hale, went home to be with the Lord. Bob was 74. We've been friends 30 years Love that man. And he took his last breath on Friday, went home to be with Jesus. 
and I'm grateful for him. Well, when he took his last breath, he went from mortal to putting on immortality. And he saw the face. Revelation 22 says we will see his face because we will put on immortality. And then G, let's go to chapter 34. You still got your Bible on your lap? So 24 hours has lapsed between chapter 33 and chapter 34. Moses had thrown down the Ten Commandments that God wrote himself and crushed them in the valley out of anger. Moses had to go get someone to carve two more out. And he said, when you've done that, come up the next morning. So the next morning he goes up to Mount Sinai. Look at verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud. The Lord stood with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. This is where it gets really good. Now, can you go to a passage in scripture if your 10-year-old asks you what God is like? Can you explain at a meal to a seeker what God is like? This is what we're doing today. And the Lord, the Lord God proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means, everyone say no means, leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and the grandchildren down to the third and fourth generation. So he came down in the cloud on top of Mount Sinai, and we want the Lord to come down to our city, down to our church. We want him to visit us. We want him to dwell with us we want him to say, those people love me and I'm going to hang out with them. I remember a young lady who received Christ here not too long ago. She told me she came as a seeker for six weeks and she said, I don't know what was going on at Church of the Savior, but I cried every Sunday for six weeks. What is that, Steve? I said, it's because the one that loves you has met you here for six weeks. People tell me they pull on the parking lot and they go, I don't know what it is, but I feel something here. It is his presence. And this is just so beautiful. Not only did he come down, he stood. He stood. He stood right beside the mortal as the mortal called to him. And then the Lord passed by in front of him. What do you mean passed by? He wanted to make sure Moses didn't miss him. That it was so concrete that Moses understood who he had just encountered. So we could learn from this encounter. 
And we just read what the creator said about himself. And let's, this, again, this is a fun part for me. Let's go through this. And I, I took all these words and I put them on a card and I've been thinking about them, kept it in my pocket for the last two weeks. And I urge you to, you, you'll get more out of this than I will. And the very first thing he talked about is my goodness, my goodness will pass in front of you. Do you know when something is good? You met Bob Hale and realized, man, that is a good guy. You got a nice pair of shoes. You went, man, that's a good pair of shoes. You're looking for a truck and you found a great truck. And you go, man, that is, that is a tremendous truck. I know what good means. I don't know if I can define it. Well, it's something that's pleasing. It is something that's rewarding, something that you enjoy, something that is beneficial. Your little pastor loves good coffee. Do I have any coffee lovers? Say, pour me one. I love a good cup of coffee. I read my Bible with a good cup of coffee. And I love books. I buy books every single week. because I. And when you find a good book, you go, you want to tell everybody, man, that's a great book. And sometimes that lady I live with when it's cold and I'm tired and I'm wet and I'm frustrated, she'll put down in front of me a bowl of warm soup and says, baby, crackers or cornbread. She might even put a little towel around my little shirt because she knows what I eat like. Good, good soup. How about good friends? Do you know when you have a good friend? Do you enjoy good friends? I've had people tell me, I don't have any friends. You don't have any friends? No, I don't have any friends. Can I tell you why you don't have any friends? Because you're not a good friend. <laughs> you're not nice. You're not helpful. People don't get benefit from you because you think it's all about you. It's not about you. The Bible says you want friends? Go be friendly. How about a good fall drive? Don't you love a good fall drive? Put my lady in the car. We go, I go, honey, look at the artistry. Look what the artist painted this morning for us. How about a good watchdog? You like a good watchdog? <laughs> he can watch this way with his eye, watch this way with that eye, and he's so small he can fit right here in your shirt. That's called a pocket watch. <laughs> how, about, how about this? A good haircut. You know the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut? About four days. How about this one? A good catch. That is nasty. How about a good nap? You like a good nap? I love a good nap. You know what this is called? Cat nap. That's a, not a good joke. So, his goodness, which he enjoys showing, is to get you and me to fall in love with him. 
Because the longer you know his goodness, the more you trust him, even when things go bad. Let me show you a picture of something really good. I met this 44 years ago. And I fell in love with that lady because she was good. Everyone say good. Say good choice. And she's been good to me for 41 years. You want to have a good marriage? Treat your spouse good. Never treat them bad. Treat them good better than anybody in the world. And the Father really does want to be good to you and me. If you, being evil, know how to be good to your children, even the worst guy in the city would like to be good sooner or later to his kids. And Jesus said, how much more does your heavenly Father want to be good to his children when they ask for his help? And even when your prayers do not turn out the way you want. Now sometimes we pray amiss. Sometimes we give up too soon. But sometimes the reason your prayers weren't answered is because he's good. And if he would have answered all the prayers I wanted the way I wanted him to do it, I couldn't have taken it. I wasn't ready for it. I would have messed it up. It was not a good prayer. The scripture says this, every good and perfect gift comes from above. If there's anything good in your life, he did it. And if you're depressed one day, take a legal pad and start writing down all the good things in your life and thank him for it. Next, this is the most important thing I'm going to say all day. His goodness is not the absence of trouble or stress or loss or disappointment. Can I tell you what his goodness is? is that he's with you in the midst of all of it. That's when you learn to find out he is really, really good. The scripture says, taste and what? See that the Lord is good every single day in every circumstances. Because when we have hardships and disappointment and loss, and we are betrayed, there's a snake, there's a dragon in the invisible realm called the accuser of the brethren. And he says, see there, God is not good or that would have not happened. He could have prevented that. Therefore, God doesn't love you and he is not good. Don't listen to that. That is a lie. The Lord is good to all. The scripture says, well, why do bad things happen to devout servants of the Lord? Because if you never have hardships, if you never have difficulty, you will never develop character. You will be soft all your life. You will never be strong. You will never walk in humility because you think life is about you. You will never learn to forgive Unless you've been crushed 
by others. And you will never develop faith without hard times. See, he knows all this, and you will never learn to love. See, we like to love people that are easy. That is not the mark of discipleship. It's learning to love people nobody else cares about. And you'll never learn responsibility until you keep your word when it's hard to keep your word. And if you want to be a leader, if you want to have a significant life, you'll never get there without hardship. Now, here's what a psalmist wrote who knew hardship. He said, I would have given up. I would have given up. Everyone say, I would have given up unless I believed, unless I knew. I would ultimately see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now his goodness, I believe, passes before us all the time and we just don't see it. Mark Batterson has this phrase, it's been ringing in my head and it's coming out of my mouth all week. He says, look for the fingerprints of God. Look for the fingerprints of God. He's there. Let's talk about some of those things. Number two, he's compassionate. Everyone say compassionate. Now, these are hard to define. What does it mean to be compassionate? It means he cares. And he cares deeply. And he cares deeply all the time. And when he acts, he always acts with compassion and concern because his heart is to help you. And then he said, let me tell you who I am. I'm gracious. Everyone say gracious. Do you know what it means to be gracious? That means when somebody does nice things for you when you do not deserve it. He is tender-hearted. He is merciful. He is thoughtful. And then he says, I'm always, always, always not quick to anger. I'm very, very, very slow to anger. That means he is so patient. He always has complete control. And the enemy, the father of lies, says to people in our culture all the time, God is an angry God. God is mad at you. And I say, no. He's slow, slow, slow to anger. And any anger he exhibits is thought out. It is deserving. And it is the appropriate decision for the moment. Now, our nation is more and more turning its back on the Holy One. And we are guilty of a lot of really, really bad things. And unless we turn and repent, we have a spanking coming as a nation. And it will be well thought out. And the purpose is to get the attention of the nation. He says in the passage, by no means will he let the guilty go unpunished. Now, are you with me so far? Now, track with me. Put yourself in the passage. If he is good, 
How should we treat people on a regular basis? Well, if he is compassionate, does he want us to be compassionate? Yes or no? If he is gracious, should we be gracious to everybody we meet? Is that yes or no? If he is slow to anger, what does that mean? I can't have a short fuse. I can't give people a piece of my mind. I don't want people to walk on eggshells around me. I need to be slow to anger too. Why, Steve? Because he's the standard. I want you to adopt my holiness as your pattern. Point number five, he's abounding. Do you know what abounding means? He's overflowing. He's generous. He just doesn't do this much. He does that much. He is abounding in something that in Hebrew is kind of hard for us to say and get our minds around. New American Standard says loving kindness. Some of your versions say everlasting love. Other versions say mercy. I think it's just a difficult word, Hebrew word called hesed to translate. And this is my translation. I don't know if I'm accurate, but it helps me figure it out. He really enjoys loving people. He loves to be kind. He thinks about it. He acts on it on a daily basis. That's what loving kindness means. And then he's abounding in truth. Everyone say truth. What do you mean? Why is that a big deal? Look at our culture. Truth is not relative. People say, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. Well, truth is truth. The battle is always over truth versus lies in the culture, and it's getting worse. Genesis 3, the snake, the dragon, said to the first two real people, now, did God really say that? Did God really say that? Is that what God meant? He doesn't really know what he's talking about. Well, truth is eternal. The White House does not invent truth. The Supreme Court does not invent truth. The University of Kentucky, the University of Michigan, Clemson University does not, well, maybe Clemson does. And superstars and movie stars and rock stars do not invent truth. The one that created everything invents truth. And if you trust him, he says, I'm always abounding in truth. And Jesus said, if you know the truth... You know what my father says and thinks. You will be free. And you will be free all throughout your life. But if you abort truth, you will be bound emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And then he says he keeps 
loving kindness to thousands. And that's a picture. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. Thousands this way and thousands this way. Throughout generations. When it says he keeps, it means I am committed to being good. If your family will just walk with me, I will bless your family. If your son will walk with me, starting in elementary school, through college, through a career, I will bless him and his family. I will bless his company. I will bless everything he touches, and I'll be with him in hard times. So he will trust me more. The trick is to let him. Now, here's a verse. Worship team, would you come out and play, please? Here's a verse I think is misunderstood. It's quoted a lot. Can you read it with me, please? I mean, it's beautiful. I, I suggest you memorize it. It might get you through some really difficult times this coming fall. Say it with me, please. The Lord's loving kindness is indeed never, for his compassions never. They are new every. Great is your faithfulness. And we write that. We quote that. But do you know the context? Do you know the context? The book of Jeremiah is right in front of it. And he is a preacher that never had one convert. He's called the weeping prophet because he was sent to turn the nation and they never, ever, ever turned. And the Lord sent the Babylonian empire 700 miles away to conquer them. And when you got battering rams at your front gate and you got people shooting arrows on fire over the walls and you see captives being stoned to death and hacked apart and the city was taken three different times and millions of people died. People went into slavery. There was no food you're talking about pandemics. It was absolutely horrible. And Lamentations is a sad, sad, sad song. But in the midst of the song, the Lord says, Stop! Stop running from me! Stop not listening! Stop thinking you know what you're doing! Repent! Humble yourself. Let me show you my loving kindness. I will do it again every single morning if you will just let me. I can make the Babylonians go home. But they never let him do it. Takes us to point number eight. He said, Moses, tell him that I'm forgiving. Are you glad he's forgiving? Hold your hand up. Are you glad? Hold your little wicked, stinky hand up. Some of you ought to put two hands up. Boy, and a foot. 
because he wants to forgive. He knows your sin doesn't surprise him. It doesn't take him off guard. He knows and he cares because he's good. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. And he forgives three things. I'd never seen this in the passage. He forgives three things? Yeah, he forgives three things. What are they, Steve? He forgives iniquity. Everyone say iniquity. What is iniquity? It's an affront to his holiness. He said, you knew what I was like. You knew what I valued and you deliberately chose against it. That's iniquity. And then he says, transgression. I forgive transgression. Everyone say transgression. You know what transgression means? It's a deviation. You know where the road is. You knew where the fence was. And not only this is good on this side of the fence, that side will put you in bondage. And not only you just didn't tiptoe, you knocked the fence down. And you ran off into the far country. And you just didn't stay a week. You stayed 10 years. You bought a condo. You married somebody from over there. You sold t-shirts over there. And he's saying, I forgive even that. I want you back. I want you back. I want you back. And the last one is I forgive sin. And the definition of sin is there's a target. And you just completely missed the target, the wall, the field, everything. You weren't even close. You knew how to treat your husband and you didn't do it. You acted like a pagan in your neighborhood, in your dorm. You just completely missed it. You knew how you should have acted in school and you completely missed it. That's sin. And guess what Steve has done? I have committed iniquity. I have transgressed and I have sinned but I've also learned to be quick to come back and let him forgive me and get me back on my feet because if you don't come back this is what he says to his children I will by no means and he means what he says by no means let the guilty go unpunished because he hates sin. Do you know why he hates sin? Because he hates people destroying other people and destroying themselves. To illustrate it is like this. He doesn't like lying. He doesn't like cheating and stealing. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like people when they abuse and take advantage of others. He doesn't like drunkenness. He doesn't like pride because he knows you, you don't know what you're talking about and you think you do. He hates murder and violence. He hates profanity. He hates disrespect. He hates idolatry. He hates it when people take advantage of other people. How about you? 
Does it bother you when people treat you that way? And then he said this. If you disobey me, the impact of your choice is not just your sin. You will impact hundreds of people around you for the second generation, the third generation, all the way down. You know what? That's about 150 years. But all it takes is one person to say, I'm back. I repent. And I want to walk with you. As we close our time this morning, we'll sing a final song. We'll have some time for reflection. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Lord, I know you've spoken to your people because you're good and you're compassionate. You care. Now, whatever you've said to your people, we respond to you. People watching online and people in this room, if you need to repent, come and humble yourself and repent of your sin. If you've never given your heart to Christ, pray with me right now, right where you are, and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've been a rebel. I come to you. I come back home. Forgive me and cleanse me and make me your child today. Because today, I commit to serve you in Jesus' name. Now let's just, uh, I want you to just sit for a few moments and listen to whatever God's Spirit would say. There's people on the wings that'll pray for you. And whatever, if you need to act this morning, step out in faith and come forward. And in just a short moment, we'll, we'll sing our final song. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Release your grace today. Release your grace. We say yes to you, Lord. Bring your power, Lord. Bring your power, Lord.
Lord, we pray that you would just show us your goodness and your glory this morning. Let it wash over us once again. We pray that you would show us your glory and your goodness afresh. In Jesus' name. during this last portion you are welcome at the altar again if you're just wanting um, the Lord's goodness to wash over you this morning um, I believe um, that I'm just sensing that the Lord is here to heal hearts and to heal bodies this morning and the prayer team is available um, specifically if you have some prayer needs please come and receive prayer um, I was even feeling like there might be someone in here that has some hip pain, specifically right hip pain that the Lord is wanting to heal today. So come, Lord. You say to us, seek my face, our hearts reply, your face we
said he's a good God. Oh, he's really good. He's more good than you could ever imagine. He's so good. He's worth, he's worth our applause. He's worth our shouts. He's worth all the adoration that we could ever give him. He's good at night. He's good in the morning. He's good every single day of our lives. He was good before you were born. He'll be good on the day you die. He'll be good when you see him face to face. He's good in bad times. He's good in great times. He is good every single second of the day. Let's give God his rightful praise. He is good. Good. I mean really good. So good. So good, so good, so good. Worship. The Ancient of Days. The King of Glory. Any goodness that you've ever experienced in your life comes from a good, good Father. Be blessed today. Let that resonate in your spirit. As you walk out of here, there'll be people to pray for you on the left and to the right. Don't leave this place unless you've experienced the goodness of God. We love you, but his goodness loves you more. Have a great day in the Lord. website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.